Well, hello and good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining me this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we're going to go ahead and get started with our usual routine in Sunday School. First, we're going to play some music. Uh, the music is coming from the West Angeles Church of God in Christ. I love you, Jesus, more than anything. Amen. So we'll play that and allow people to join us online when they get here. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, good morning. Mic check. Make sure that everything is good. You can hear me. Amen. Morning, Brother Roscoe. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Amen. Good morning. I can't see everybody who comes on, but I, my faithful assistant can. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. A little different view than before. <laughs> For those of you here in the audience in the church, you're welcome to sing along with the music if you want to. <laughs> if you want to, you don't have to. So, you know. If I sang, if I were Disney singing, I would break the phone. I would break the camera. That would be the end of the. That'd be the end of the broadcast. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> Amen. 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 It is all about a love relationship with Jesus, isn't it? Amen. 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 All right. All right. Let's. Let's stop that because that's that was uh, more than anything Church of God in Christ. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. We are, of course, live right now on uh, Facebook on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, and we are here to present Sunday School. We have a few announcements, a couple of announcements to make, and uh, for those of you who are joining us online, um, yeah, my coffee cup is in the car. <laughs> But for those of you who are uh, joining us here online, we are live in church for the first time in about two years. It's the first time we've been doing Sunday school in about two years in church, which is a 
a wonderful thing that we're actually here now. Um, but I just want to make sure that we're all aware that this is a special time for us to get together in fellowship. We have not been able to do this for, oh my, for quite some time, other than just being in church at 11 o'clock. And, and we're just very thankful to be here today. I do want to make sure that you're aware that for those of you who are online, um, there will be a message following Sunday school at, uh, after Sunday school is completed uh, in the uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook timeline. It's a message about the Word of God. So please uh, stay online for that. After Sunday school, you'll be able to see the message available. It has uh, already been posted and is uploaded and ready to go. And uh, we uh, want to convey the importance of making sure that all of us are focused on the importance of studying the Word of God and being involved with that. Amen? I mean, that's, we all have to be in the Word every day. We have to be in study every day. We have to be in prayer all the time. And the Word of God is a very, very important aspect of what we're doing. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We also make sure that we mention that every week for those who are online as well, too. Uh, if you have the intent to send your tithes or offerings in the mail, uh, that would be sent to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, that is the address for mailing your tithes and offerings. We want to always make sure that we're uh, taking care of that because, you know, first of all, God wants us to make sure that we are making the contribution. And we have, frankly, obligations here in church. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to take care of business here. So that's why we're doing that. Amen. So those were the announcements. And, of course, there's just much more to come. There are many more things that are happening here at Akron Alliance that we are uh, gradually putting back into place, getting back to where things were before the pandemic and this is one of them right here, and we're going to keep doing that as long as we can. But we're going to now get focused on the Word today, and based upon the content, I've got a lot of introductory stuff to cover here. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. So um, typically, as we always do, we, we go through the lesson, read the entire passage, and then come back and go over it. And there's a lot that has to be done here to set everything up until we get to the area where we talk about the Samaritan woman. But with that in mind, I just want to thank everyone for being here this morning. It is uh, such a blessing to be here. It's, uh, the Lord is good. The Lord is able and capable. And I just want to go ahead and, and now just let's start this by with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you have given to us, Lord, that you will just bless us now with your presence. We, Lord, we want to feel your presence as we go through this lesson today. Lord, that the words that are spoken are not my words, but the words that come directly from you, the words that will indeed edify, glorify, and give you praise for who you are. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do for Akron Alliance Fellowship and the members and for those of us online as well, too, Lord. We just want to be able to worship and praise you. We give you praise and thanks. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 4. Let's go through verses 1 through 26. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Now this is a continuation of the message and ministry of Jesus that we had discussed over the past few weeks. And Jesus is just getting started in his ministry. And we already know that uh, he is going to face some opposition. He's been facing opposition. People asking questions about who he was, who he is, what are you doing here, what are you involved in. Let's start with verse 1, John chapter uh, 4. And I'm going to read right through it. New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Verse 3, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. 
Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands and, not, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship where while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who, <clears throat> the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen. That's John. That's a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> that's John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. There's a reason. I, I really was debating whether I was going to divide this up into two weeks. I said, nope, I'm going to go through the whole thing because there's a flow here that we want to maintain as we do this, right? And to set up the history, going back at the top to verse 1, and you'll notice that John, the writer here, is setting the stage to let you know what's going on in this particular section here. Um, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, but Jesus didn't do it, the actual baptizing the disciples did, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And so the Pharisees was already, were already concerned about what Jesus was doing, what he was involved in. They resented his popularity. He was becoming more popular than they were. And, you know, that's, that just was a no-no, right? You, you don't ever want to take away from the, the actual... Uh, the leaders that are involved here. So, and so Jesus also had challenged much of their che teachings as well too. Um, so, but because he was starting out in ministry early, this was early in his ministry, it wasn't time yet to confront them openly. So he decided to leave, leave Jerusalem and go north towards Galilee. That was the whole point. Now, if you go back to verse 4 in John chapter 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. So, well, let's talk about Samaria a little bit in order to understand clearly why there was even this conversation about Jews and Samaritans and all of that. And we need to understand that Samaria, a lot of, a lot of people when they were traveling through there wanted to avoid Samaria. They would make it a point to go all the way around and not even go through Samaria. Um, and this goes way back into the history. How many of you are familiar with the history of, of why this was taking place? It is kind of referenced in the Old Testament if you go to Second Kings as well too. But after the northern kingdom, with its capital at Samaria, when it fell to the Assyrians, uh, many Jews were deported to Assyria and foreigners were brought in to settle the land and help keep the peace. Uh, turn your Bibles and electronic devices real quick to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings 17. 
You, of course, we're coming back to John, but I want to make a reference to what the history was here and why this was taking place. And it's interesting um, how people behave sometimes when it comes to uh, matters that deal with, with race. And that's what's going on here. Second Kings 17, verse 24 now, the title in my Bible also refers to this as foreign refugees in Israel. So you're going to see what's happening here. Verse 24, Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and settled them in place of the Israelites in the cities of Samaria. The settlers took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. Okay. So... There was intermarriage that had taken place between the foreigners and the remaining Jews, which resulted in a mixed race. So this Samaritan woman that we're referring to is mixed in, but she can refer easily to Jacob's well, which we'll see later on in this passage here. She knows all about all that stuff. Uh, it's a mixed race. And so in the opinion of Jews who lived in the southern kingdom, that mixed race was deemed to be impure. Impure. That's the conclusion they made. And that's why they didn't want to have anything to do with those people. And it's really a shame that that took place. Um, but the pure Jews hated this mixed race called Samaritans because they felt that their fellow Jews who had intermarried had betrayed their people and their nation. The Samaritans had set up an alternate center for worship on Mount Gerizim. That's what the uh, Samaritan woman was referring to. That's in John chapter 4, verse 20, which we just read. To parallel the temple at Jerusalem. They had set that up because they wanted their own temple. But that had been destroyed 150 years earlier. While there were long-standing prejudices between Jews and Samaritans, Jesus, Jesus did not live such, by such restrictions, thank goodness, the road through Samaria was shorter, and that's the route he took. I don't blame him. If it's a short route to take, why not take it? Jesus loves all people. Amen? He, does, he doesn't make any distinction about who that person is, whether they came, whether they're a Samaritan, whether they're a Jew. Of course, that's a radical teaching back then. That was something that was very radical back then because that was something that was indeed happening where they just didn't like each other. They wouldn't talk to each other and hear... We're going to get further into the passage now. Uh, oh, by the way, let me go back real quick. Go back to verse 5, John chapter 4, verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Look, notice the history here. So we see that there's a connection. This is in Samaria about the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Uh, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And so that took place. Now, Jacob's well was on the property originally owned by Jacob. This is in Genesis 33. Genesis 33. Make sure I get the right passage. Verses 18 and 19. Genesis 33, verses 18 and 19. You can turn to that if you weren't already. Jesus 30, Jesus, Genesis 33, verses 18 and 19. One thing that you should be picking up on, that if you haven't already, is that the Bible is a historical document just as much as it is a his, the word of God. God is giving it and laying this out for us because of the history involved here. There is history, actual history that's taking place. Genesis 33, verse 18. After Jacob came from Paddan Aram, he arrived safely at the Canaanite city of Shechem and camped in front of the city. He purchased a section of the field from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 kezitas. It almost sounds, uh, almost sounds Spanish. Where he had pitched his tent. So, oh, and let's read verse 20. And he set up an altar there and called it God, the God of Israel. Okay, so that's what Jacob did. And 
this well was not a spring-fed well that was set up. It was a well into which water seeped from rain and dew collecting at the bottom. Wells were almost always located outside the city along the main road. Twice each day, morning and evening, women came to draw water. This woman came at noon, however, probably to avoid meeting people who knew her reputation. Now, that's speculative, but the woman knows. You know when you're not doing right. Amen? You know when you're not doing the right things. You're not living the right way. And the, the fact that it's going to come out later about how much Jesus knew about this woman, it kind of makes sense why she came in the middle of the day. But Jesus, thankfully, gave this woman a very extraordinary message about fresh and pure water that would quench her spiritual thirst forever. Let's go back to John chapter uh, 4, verse 8. Oh, wait, verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? The hated mixed race, Samaritan woman. And that's part of the issue here. She was known to be living in sin. She was in a public space. No respectable Jewish man would talk to a woman under such circumstances. Because essentially she's had three strikes against her right there. She was in sin. She was a mixed race. She was in a public place. But Jesus spoke to her. Jesus opened up and spoke to her first. And of course, you know, the great thing we understand here, Jesus knows everybody. He knows the hearts of all of us. He knows all about who we are. When we pray to God, he hears us and understands us. We don't sometimes do a very good job understanding where our hearts are. Amen? Because the hearts are what? Exceedingly wicked. We deceive ourselves. We think we're all that. We think we're... All that in the old term, all that in a bag of chips. But we're not, nothing like that at all. But thankfully, Jesus knows who we are. Amen? That's what we have to look at here. The point to make here about this, when Jesus took the time to speak to this woman, he is telling anybody and everybody who's paying attention here, Jesus speaks to everyone. Jesus will speak to you. He'll speak to me. He'll speak at the moment And when we really need to hear from him, he will speak. It doesn't matter about his or her race. doesn't matter about the social position. doesn't matter about the past sins in your life. Are you still holding on to things that you've done years and years ago that have to do with sins, transgressions? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to. You don't need to hang on to those things. And when you see the response of the Samaritan woman, when we get to next week, because it won't be covered this week, you'll see that she's no longer hanging on to those things. Jesus crossed all barriers to share the good news. And we who follow Jesus also need to do the same thing. We need to do nothing less than just stay with him. Stay focused on Him. Amen? Let's continue. Verse 10. John chapter 4. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then verse 11. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals, his animals enjoyed? Well, first of all, you can tell she's not on the same page here. She's still talking about the actual physical obtaining of water. And Jacob's well was a special well because of it had fresh water in it. 
It was literally just fed continuously with streams of water from underneath. But what did Jesus mean by living water? In the Old Testament, many verses speak of thirsting after God as one thirst for water. Let's take a look at some of these. Go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I love the richness of Scripture. If you're really, if you're really doing good Bible study and you're using Bibles like the Life Application Study Bible or any study Bible, really doesn't matter which one it is, look at the other passages being referenced as you look at this study. It's just going to reinforce your greater understanding of what's happening. Psalm 42, verse 1. As, deer, as a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. And look at verse 2. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? I thirst. You know you're growing in your faith when you don't treat your Bible reading and study time casually. You treat it where there's intent and purpose. Where you have a hunger and a thirst for the Word. That's what it should always be. And even when you're tired and fatigued and you're having a hard time, you still want to have that thirst. Even if it means, Lord, I, I don't really feel I'm up to this today, but I'm going to open your Bible anyway and hear what you have to say. Because if you don't have that hunger or thirst for the Word, you're not growing. You're not going to grow. You're going to be just meandering along. And it's not going to have as much meaning to you. Let's look at another passage real quick. Isaiah 55. Isaiah chap, uh, chapter 55, verse 1. <laughs> I love that. The heading to my, in my Bible says, Come to the Lord. Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who is thirsty, and come to the waters, and you without money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Boy, that would be great. We could do that, amen? Well, we're obviously not talking about something that has to do with money physically. It has to do with about your relationship with the Lord, Amen? And there will come a place and a time where money is not going to matter anymore because you won't need it. You won't need money. Some might argue that's the case today. I don't know. But um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. Verse 13. Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. Well, Jeremiah, of course, is a prophet, and he's speaking of, in terms here about what, where water has significance, and he's sharing that as well, too. God is called the fountain of life. That is in Psalm 36, verse 9. And the fountain of living water. Go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. I bet you didn't think you're going to turn your Bible pages as much as you thought you did today, were you? Getting those fingers limbered up. Jeremiah 17, verse 13. It says in Jeremiah 17:13, "Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me will be written in the dirt, for they have abandoned the fountain of living water, the Lord." Fountain of living water. 
in saying, in Jesus saying that he would bring living water that could forever quench a person's thirst for God, Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. Only the Messiah could do this. Only the Messiah could give the gift that satisfies the soul's desire. That's what Jesus was proclaiming. That's what he's making a statement of. Okay, let's go back to verse 13 in John chapter 4. This is after the Samaritan woman mentioned about how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Talking about Jacob, uh, Jacob's well. Verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Okay, so there's a note here about how important water is for our bodies, amen? What, was it, what, would, what did you say? What, is our, what are our bodies made up of, like 98% water? Our bodies are made up of 98% water. How important is water? Well, you would, if, if your body, if you're dehydrated, what happens to you? Nothing really good is happening when you're dehydrated. So water is very important as far as functioning, your bodily function, and that's how we were created, amen? The, the miracle, the wonder of our creation, and that we're all held together even though we're 98% water. But yet here we are. And of course the woman was confusing the two kinds of water because Jesus is talking about spiritual quenching a spiritual thirst, she's talking about the physical. So we need to go back and, and recognize that, and we're still, now still getting past that point. So the woman, when she said, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, she mistakenly believed that if she received the water Jesus offered, she would not have to return to the well each day. <laughs> she wouldn't have to keep coming back to the well. So she was interested in Jesus' message because she thought it could make her life easier. But if that were always the case, people would accept Christ's message for the wrong reasons. Think about that. We don't follow Jesus Christ to make our lives easier. Amen? Have, has anybody ever heard anybody say, if you follow Jesus Christ, life is going to be so much easier than it was before? That doesn't exist. If you really want to know the truth, if anything, our life gets more difficult in many ways because of the stand that we take for Jesus. We're in Satan's domain. When you're in Satan's domain, you're naturally going to have to, you're going to scuffle because you're going to face opposition. And Jesus, barely into his ministry, was already facing opposition. Because of what he represented, uh, what he stood for, he was a threat to the establishment, he was a threat to the Pharisees, and the Sadducees didn't care for him much either, because they taught something totally different. So we accept Christ's message not to make life easier. We recognize that the relationship with Jesus is worth every bit of struggle that we go through. Every bit of it. Otherwise, why would you do it? Why would you take on Christ in your life? Because you know it's worth it. It's worth it for your eternal destiny. It's worth it because we know that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. Christ didn't come to take away challenges but to change us on the inside. To empower us. To give us what we need to be able to deal with the problems of life, but not on our own strength now, but with God's perspective. The perspective of Jesus. We speak differently. We think differently. In the flesh, it's all about me, myself, and I. 
and oh, woe is me. But we go through these things with the understanding that Jesus is with us to help us get through them. Amen? I hope that's what you think, <laughs> you're thinking. That's pretty important for us to recognize here. All right, let's go to verse 16. Back to John chapter 4, verse 16. This is, this is where we get into the, uh, the part here where the Samaritan woman is going to be kind of laid bare a little bit. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. You know, what's really interesting here, it just kind of came to mind, so you know, I, get, forgive me here, but this Samaritan woman is a lot like a lot of women today. <laughs> and I hate to say it that way, but the reality is, for those of you who have been exposed to people uh, who are single parents, and they've had many different relationships, I mean, what's the difference? Okay, so they had, they had marriage was different back then. They got together, amen? But at the end of the day, this woman had a reputation. So there's nothing really new. When we say there's nothing new under the sun, we really do mean that. But it doesn't mean you don't minister to those people. This Samaritan woman is being ministered to by Jesus. This... In other words, rather than looking at, down upon someone because of what they've done, look at them the way Jesus will accept them. Still a child created by Jesus, by God. Still a child of God. Potentially. You don't ever dismiss someone because of their reputation. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands, you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus gave credit where credit was due. He said, you know what? You wouldn't didn't lie. You're telling the truth. You don't have a husband. You're right. When this woman discovered that Jesus knew all about her private life, she quickly changed the subject. Let's look at verse 19 again. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Now, you see, she was a very smart woman. Let's go back to that. She knows of what it is to worship the Lord. She knows information based upon where she's living and what she was exposed to. She knows about Jacob. She knows about the history. Notice how she said her ancestors. She's laying claim to that. She's very, very familiar with what it is to worship. But, of course, because there's differences between Jews and Samaritans, they worship there on Mount Gerizim in their own temple. But the Samaritan woman still changed the subject about her private life. Notice how that's why she dove into why is it you Jews claim this? Why is it this? Why is it? Wanted to get off the subject about her and talk more about the differences between the two of them. Often people become uncomfortable when the conversation gets too close to home. This is true in ministry today. This is true for anyone that you're ministering to. When you get right down to it, they have to acknowledge their sin. And it's not going to be comfortable. Is it ever comfortable when you acknowledge your own sin? No. Amen? I mean, if it is, if you let me know if it is, but when you're acknowledging your own sin in your life, it's not a very comfortable thing. And that's what this woman is experiencing here. Too close to home. Now, as we witness, the note that I have here is we should gently guide the person back to the conversation about Jesus Christ. 
if a person wants to avoid it, and, and you might even point out, look, I know you don't want to talk about your life, but I'm here to tell you about what Jesus can do for you, where Jesus can help you, where you can definitely turn your life over to Him and you can give those matters to Him and He will give you relief, peace, recognizing that you know you sin, but there are much things much better for you that are ahead if you just trust in Him. That's where the conversation can go. Jesus' presence exposes sin, makes people squirm. But Christ and only Jesus can forgive sins. He is the only one who can do it. You can try to divert your attention elsewhere, but you won't go anywhere with it because it's not going to resolve the issue. So Jesus is going to be re-redirecting here. Go back to John chapter 4, verse 21. Here comes the redirect. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. So he just basically said, It doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. Whether it be there or in Jerusalem. Then verse 22, You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is it's here now, when true worshipers, listen carefully, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship in spirit and and in truth. Now we make a we've made a really big deal about getting back in church, amen? Because it is important for us to fellowship together as a body. But Jesus is telling us here at the end of the day the worship starts right here. It starts right here in your heart. We're in a building we have our homes. We can, you can worship in your home just as much as you worship here. It's not about being in a building. It's about where you are in your heart. And Jesus is emphasizing this here. This is how, when you reach people for Jesus Christ, it's not about being in a building. A lot of people put more weight on being in the building where that's a holy place. Well, this is not a holy place. Jesus is the one who might make it holy. Because we're doing what we should be doing. But we know all kinds of folks coming in and out of churches who are not acting holy. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, I'm not trying to be funny about that. But the reality is, is that true worship comes down to what comes from your heart. And that's what Jesus is emphasizing here. The correct place to worship is not on the mount in Gerizim and not in Jerusalem. There's no one better place but it starts with you as a person. And her question when she was asking about that was a smokescreen to keep Jesus away from her deepest need. You encounter this when you're ministering to others or speaking to others about the Lord. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you about the redirects or getting attention, or diverting your attention away. The location of worship is not nearly as important as the attitude of the worshiper. Your attitude. Your attitude. There are many times people have come to Christ outside of church. Amen? Outside of the church walls. It has to do with where, where your, heart is, your heart worship is. Okay. When Jesus said salvation comes through the Jews, back in verse 22, he meant that only... Through the Jewish Messiah would the whole world find salvation. And that was correct. That was a correct statement. God had promised through the Jewish race the whole earth would be blessed. Go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. One of Brother Beach's favorite chapters. 
Uh, Genesis chapter 12. I didn't know I was going to say that this week, but yeah, it worked out. (laughs) Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, he's making that call to Abraham. Abram Abram at the time and becomes Abraham. But essentially, he is going to be the lineage that's going to essentially be the one that where all the people of the nations are going to be blessed. Everyone's going to be blessed through the lineage through Abraham. And we know that that is indeed what's happening. The Old Testament prophets had called the Jews to be a light to the other nations of the world, bringing them to a knowledge of God, and they had predicted the Messiah's coming. The woman at the well may have known of these passages and was expecting the Messiah, but she didn't realize that she was talking to him. Yeah, like I said, the Samaritan woman was smart. She didn't, didn't, she knew enough to be dangerous here. Amen? She knew enough. But now she was having that direct encounter with the Lord. Okay. So let's continue on. Let's, let's read over verse 23 again. Uh, back at John chapter 4. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. When we say that God is spirit, it means he's not limited to being in one place. This omniscient, omnipotent God is everywhere. Uh, My wife and I were on vacation last week and I assure you that God was with us even though we traveled out of town. He's everywhere. And honestly, you have to have the attitude when you go on vacation, for example, that you don't take a vacation from God. You keep him with you. You keep him at the forefront of your life. He's, your routine when it comes to reading and studying scripture should be exactly the same as it is today. If you're traveling, whatever it is. You know, my wife and I, we went to Las Vegas we had a layover traveling a few years back from Utah and had to lay over in Vegas. And we were in, in the Vegas airport at midnight. And, of course, people get, getting off the planes in, at the Vegas airport, they were making all kinds of noise. Yeah, man, we're going to get down here. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, what happened wasn't the Lord. Let's put it that way, right? I'm just going to make a statement right there. Whenever you're looking like something, doing something like that, you don't take a vacation from the Lord. If you had a vacation from the Lord, you have to have the attitude that the Lord goes with you everywhere. He's in spirit. He is, when you worship the Father, you worship Him in spirit and in truth. He is everywhere. He can be worshipped anywhere. He can be worshipped anytime. Guess what? Um, Jonah worshipped the Lord in the belly of a fish. He sure did. Anywhere. Underwater. It's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Is your worship genuine and true? Do you have the Holy Spirit's help? How does the Holy Spirit help us worship? Well, He's the indwelling Holy Spirit. You have to make a decision to worship in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit prays for us because we need all the help we can get. Amen? Go to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. We're almost done here too. Romans 8, verse 26. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also joins to help in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should. 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Amen. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit does. He teaches us the words of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26. And as we continue in this study of John, the book of John, we'll cover this once again. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Amen. That's what the Spirit does. We need the Holy Spirit to help us through this thing when it comes to worship. And Jesus knew that. Jesus set it up for us to have that. And one more, Romans 5, verse 5, which is very, very important for all of us to remember when we're going through a difficult time. Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5 says, This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love for us loves us so let's conclude here verse 25 the woman said I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ when he comes he'll explain everything to us Jesus then Jesus told her I am the Messiah I am the Messiah he had to set it up where she was receptive to hear about the truth about Jesus Christ the truth about who he was. As we minister to others and have conversations with them, the Spirit's going to make it very clear to you about those opportunities and how to speak and proclaim Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for your teaching and your goodness. We thank you for your very presence today. We thank you, Lord, for how you indeed convey your love for us. The lessons that you teach us in the book of John are reflective of how much you have compassion for us and how much you love who we are. Lord, may we always have the attitude and the mindset to recognize your very presence in our lives. May we always have the attitude of worship as we go forward. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing for us and all that you continue to do. Bless us and keep us, O Lord. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today for this edition of Livestream Sunday School. We will get back together next week, same time, same channel. Take care of yourselves, everyone. God bless you all, and we will see you next time.